the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Welcome to the podcast edition of Maximum Growth Live, the number one program for lawyers who want to grow their practices. Each week, our hosts, Seth Price and Jay Ruane, tackle the fundamental questions about how to grow the profit and profitability of your law firm. To watch the program live, submit your questions and hear the latest episode. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Facebook for our live show. Maximum Growth Live is a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Thursday edition, the original edition of Maximum Growth Live. I'm your host, Jay Ruane, CEO of FirmFlex, your social media marketing company for lawyers, as well as Ruane Attorneys, a criminal defense and civil rights firm here in Connecticut. And with me, of course, flipped this week, flipped this week, I've got Seth Price. Seth, I flipped up the cameras, and now I had to figure out which hand I can point with to point at you. But over there, my man down in D.C., Maryland, Virginia, Seth Price of Blue Shark Digital, as well as Price Benowitz, the mega, the mother, 40-lawyer firm down in D.C. I can't imagine having 40 lawyers. I can barely handle my my, my 13. But, Seth, how you doing this week? It's been another crazy week here in the world, but one thing is consistent, and it's maximum growth live for all of our fans out there i I gotta tell you living inside the beltway it's been a surreal uh last couple weeks but uh at least i got this i get that that was the whole purpose i get to hang out with you and and create something cool yeah, and it's, and it's been really cool. You know, we've gotten a lot of great feedback. Of course, if you ever want to give us feedback, you can give us some feedback down below. If you want to listen on the go, you can download this on the Maximum Growth Live podcast, available on all the major podcasting platforms. But we're also syndicated through Maximum Lawyer Media, MaximumLawyer.com, and the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Jim and Tyson do a phenomenal thing, and you can always catch our show as well as their shows in their podcast feed. But Seth... We've got somebody this week in our interview who we both know, uh, who actually helped me out with an issue I had last week as my group leader in John Fisher's mastermind experience, uh, and that is Mario Godoy. Tell tell everybody a little bit about Mario. Mario is an amazing guy. You know, he has an immigration firm. He pivoted and started a second firm. And that you know, that second firm was something we talked about with Sarah Kaki a few weeks ago. 
clearly that concept is resonating in the comments. A lot of people are doing that. As an SEO, I always cringe because opening a second firm, so much more effort. But if there's anybody that can do it, it's Mario. He had good reasons behind it. You know, there are lots of positive reasons. It's just a lot more effort. So I can't, let's get him out here and because uh, I want to spend as much time as possible digging deep with him. And for those of you who don't know him, he is just one of those business legal minds that is just awesome to be around because you just feel like you're inspired and you want to do new creative things every time you're near them. Yeah, you know, this this topic that keeps coming up about sec- starting a second firm is something that I've had, you know, in the back of my mind for years. And I've always said, why would I do that if I haven't maximized revenue from the firm I already have? Isn't that a better place for me to focus my money? But what I do is, I, you know, I build these brands internally, and that sort of right. scratches that itch. Um, but there's, you know, I'll, I'll give you an ironic inside baseball issue where they are smarter having started two firms, and that's two tax ID numbers. And with the LSAs, those tax ID numbers have come back to bite us a bit. So while I love the idea of building within a firm like you have and I have, even if there are different brands within the firm, those tax ID numbers have come back to be a central factor of getting your LSAs authenticated. So again, not somewhere to deal with today, but I really think for most people, the question is, is there a business imperative, whether it's the market perceiving you or is there a future sale or a new business partner? What is the reason that you want a second firm versus just another vertical within the same firm. Well, I think Mario's the perfect person to talk about it. So let's take a quick break. We'll hear from our sponsors and then we'll come back. We'll have Mario up and we'll be able to get really deep into the weeds on this topic uh, with him. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Sound good, Seth? Sounds great. Awesome. We'll be right back with the interview. Mario Godoy here on Maximum Growth Live. You're listening to Maximum Growth Live from Maximum Lawyer Media. We'll be right back after this short break. Do you want to get into social media marketing? Unsure of where to begin? The Firm Flex DIY plan was created for small firm and solo lawyers who want to start social media marketing for their firm but can't commit to the large budgets many agencies charge. In just five minutes a day, with the help of the Firm Flex coaches, you get daily ideas, weekly themes, hashtags, and stock images you can use to post on social media and market your firm. With a private and vibrant Facebook group you can always turn to, the Firm Flex DIY plan gives you the ultimate control over your marketing. By using the Firm Flex DIY program, as well as our weekly coaching and industry leading hacks, you can set your social media up for success, all for around $3 a day. Try it today at GetFirmFlex.com DIY. In this world today, if you want to grow your business, you want to grow your firm, you want to take on more cases and make a bigger impact, you have to have a digital blueprint. Statistically, throughout the time that we've been working with Blue Shark Digital, our law firm, the Atlanta Divorce Law Group, grew over 1,400%. Seth and his team have years of experience in this area. Blue Shark is truly a part of the firm, so I don't consider Blue Shark any different than the employees in my office. I know I can trust their, their input and their advice because they truly care about the people that they work with and just want to see you succeed. 
Mario, great to have you here. Uh, so excited. Every time I speak to you, I feel like I'm energized and I've learned a ton. Um, you know, there's been a lot of buzz in the Maximum Lawyer feed about people who started two law firms. So who better to have this week than a guy who has both the Godoy Law Offices as well as the uh, Estate and Probate Legal Group. Very similar in a lot of ways to what we saw talking to Sarah Khaki, opening a second firm with a branded name. Talk to me, your logic in doing that versus just expanding your primary firm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first, I just want to say, Jay and Seth, thank you so much for, for having me on here on this platform. Uh, I love the idea of being able to just speak out to other attorneys and been watching some of your shows. And I think just such great knowledge, learned so much just from watching other folks talk about uh, what it is to, to run a law firm like a business in some instances. Um, so great question. What so what was it like to to start two firms? What was my well, why process? why that? Why not? Could you easily could have just added? I mean, look, we talk SEO all the time. You easily could have just added a folder on your existing site and be done. Um, you know what was the logic? Right. Well, you know, I really the main part of it was I was looking to create a separate entity. Um, I wanted to. So many times I think that as lawyers you build out your business. And then uh, there's lots of them that jump into maybe real estate speculation or uh, a number of other types of. Or they start a digital marketing company, like Seth did, and like I did. Marketing company out of the blue, right? Um, And so, and by the way, you guys have done awesome services for us. Thank you, Seth, for for what Blue Shark does for both firms. Um, And so, for me, it, it was more of like I was looking at it as almost kind of like a passive uh, investment that I was going to get into, uh, something that I would lead, I would shepherd, I would take my experience of hitting every tree branch of what to do wrong in the first firm and not make those same mistakes again. Uh, and so for me, I looked at it, I think, as a investment of, of my time uh, where I could also take another attorney uh, who really loves this area and then help them be the best that they can be at that uh, without having to worry about the business side of it, right? Because I know that that's, that's a struggle for a lot of us practitioners who really love the, love the area of the law, but the business side, not so much. Right. And so and that- Right. And in this case, you had an advantage. And when we talked to Sarah, breaking into family law, no joke. That's going to take a massive SEO build out. Trust in estates is at the lowest end of competitiveness in the B2C space. So that by starting one, and the brand was genius because you're getting your exact match in the Google My Business in a legitimate way, which if you try to just add that as a nap, you know, as your as your Google My Business within the firm, it probably gets slapped down as spam. But by branding it, trade naming it, you've given yourself like a secret sauce in a way where people know what you do. It says what it does, and for now at least, that's a huge advantage in that three pack ranking. Right, and you know, I so I know you look at everything with the SEO point of view. I look at things now as I'm trying to fire myself actively from different positions. And so Godoy Law Office, you know, we focus on helping immigrants navigate the pitfalls of the immigration process, but they're looking for Mario Godoy, right? Uh, The name itself doesn't really tell you that we do immigration work. The estate and probate legal group, I mean, the name says it itself, right? And I'll walk through 
And, you know, some folks don't even know who I am. Right. And I'm perfectly being like, OK, being that backstage supporter of the people on the front line. Why not change the name of the immigration firm for that reason and just have you as the face of it? Yeah. So the SEO. Right. I think the SEO, the the fact that so the first firm I founded, like out of almost necessity, right in 2010, uh, I found myself getting out of law school and I kind of just called around a number of attorneys, got some feedback, and then I named it what, you know, right after myself, just like any other attorney and most of us do. Right. Not thinking about the 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 game afterwards. So. One of the areas that we actually decided to develop, uh, kind of like Mr. Speeding Ticket, uh, we started kind of pushing a brand called Immigration Simplified. And so we have that website that's up. And so that's really ideally speaking to a different type of consumer of immigration services. And so that's how we kind of taken that brand uh, outside. You know, I was going to find out how that is going. So the Immigration Simplified was a sort of a no frills, low dollar, something maybe a step above legal Zoom type mm-hmm. of option for people between no help and full help. Um, I, I've sort of been cynical of that concept that without scale, it couldn't get there. Curious to know and you know, was not alone in that. You, you've, you've pushed back against a lot of industry experts saying, no, I see a vision. Tell me about that vision to date. How have you been, how has that been sort of swimming with that sort of intermediate step between full service and no service? Yeah, so it's a good question. Um, and absolutely, you're, you're forced dead on, right? It's tough to, you know, take another site. And, and I've heard you guys talk about this on the show about, you know, every time you build a different brand, then you got to build everything that goes around that brand and that website and get it up there. And so we've kind of taken the point of view of when you come to Godoy Law Office, you can pick one of two scenarios. You can either go with the Godoy Law, like platinum type service, we're with it all the way to the end, but we've also got some, you know, very savvy consumers that they just want some help with getting the forms done. Maybe they've gone through this already once and they just want to get to make sure that the forms are right going out and that some help's available for them if they have questions along the way. I'm smiling partially because we went through the same thing at Blue Shark. We mm-hmm. saw this need for essentially the, this simple immigration simplified, you know, SEO simplified and didn't want to confuse our main brand of Blue Shark and created the Silver Shark product. I never realized that the parallels between the stories till you started talking about it right here. Yeah. Yeah. And so so we actually at one point were trying three different lines and we saw that people either gravitated to the simplest version of it or they wanted the full version of it. And so we just laid that out. Okay, these are our two product lines, right? Let's make it easy for folks. Like that story brand book, that story brand, like keep it simple. Do you want it simple or do you want someone to hold your hand all the way through and do all the work for you? So I got a question before we flip to Jay. You know, one of the things I think that you've done particularly well and love to hear more about what you're doing and where you see it going is you have done your intake uh, using non-attorney salespeople and done it probably as well as anybody that I've seen uh, up close. Want to get some details about you know your philosophy on that and how you've handled it. So for as a practicing as a lawyer, you know, with a law firm, we really try to get in most instances a touch 
with a lawyer to make sure there's a meeting of the minds. And I know you do, but would love to hear how you set this up in order to layer um, people, you know, that, you know, in a way, I wouldn't say non-traditional, but a, a pretty innovative way to uh, approach intake. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think for anyone that is out there and you are contemplating this, you're going to need to come to terms with the fact that you can't please everyone. All right. And I think you guys know that, right? You guys have been around long enough to know you certainly, you know, can't please everyone and you kind of got to wave whatever your kind of freak flag is. Um, you got to wave it all the way to the end because then you're going to attract people that are attracted to that flag. Right. And so the system that I'm running is not for everyone. Right. Um, certainly not for every lawyer and certainly not for every consumer. Right. But what I've kind of done is I've taken non-attorneys to almost filter, in essence, a case before it lands on my attorney's desk. And so someone would call in. Uh, at this point, we've actually up-leveled that sales system that I'd originally talked about. And we're working with a client coordinator, that a new resources coordinator that's helping to shepherd the person and set up expectations and get up some like actual we're FedExing people materials on us and materials that can help them make a buying decision as to whether we're the right firm for them. And when they come in, they end up meeting with one of our client relationship managers. So one of the non-attorney salespeople. And there's no advice that happens during that. And honestly, that, that took a, a number of years for me to come to terms with it. Uh, as you guys know, I've been working with how to manage a small law firm. I've attended masterminds. I've met with other successful attorneys that are two, three, or four levels ahead of me. And what I've come to learn is that when someone's coming in, they're kind of already just checking you out and they want to make a decision like on an emotional level. And then they use logic to substantiate it. But they want to make a decision on the emotional level, whether you're the right firm for them, they want to work with you and take the next step. And you don't have to be an attorney to get to that. You don't need to be an attorney to figure out what brought you off the lot. Let's face it, guys. No one wants to visit a lawyer's office, right? Like we're not we're not coming in there because of you know we're there because there's an obstacle in our way, and we see it as this is what we need to do to kind of get around that obstacle. So that's really in essence what the non-attorney salesperson does. It helps them make a decision as to are you going to keep things the same? Are you going to try this yourself? In which case, you know, we have immigration simplified available for you. Or do you really want to hire a firm to see it all the way through? In which case, hopefully it's us, right? Um, The question everyone's going to be asking is, well, don't you get the objection if I didn't get to meet with an attorney? Right? So I think on that end, uh, it just comes down to giving them a 100% money back guarantee. Like we're already doing it. Like if you sit with a client at the beginning and this person turns out to be not the right fit for your firm, as attorneys, even if you don't use the non-attorney salesperson, ideally you're gonna give them their money back, tear up the agreement, thank them for their time and help connect them to the type of attorney that they're looking for, right? It's 
it's something that we're doing for the person and hopefully we're the right Sherpa to take them up the mountain. And I tell folks that all the time, especially in immigration. Um, and then even in, in some of the probate cases that we're dealing with, uh, you know, that's that comes down to we've been up the mountain. We can't tell you it's going to be the same trail every time. But we've been up that mountain a number of times and we're the right guy for you. And when we explain it that way, we can get folks from meeting with that non-attorney salesperson, that client relationship manager, and get them to the attorney strategy session. And I want to follow up, which is just when when doing that, when you get somebody coming in, I live in DC where lawyers are everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, either side of me, there are lawyers living. You know, you know, the, it is the expectation. Do you have an escape? I understand they can write. You can fill out a retainer, pay, and get your money back. But is there X percent where you know the person's walking out if they don't have an attorney? Where there's an except? Like, do you have an exception, or are you? Do you literally burn the ships and say, no, this is our model. If you don't want to be part of it, you're not our client. Yeah, and so I think. That's the one thing. There's never a 100% rule in life, right? And then I think it's the same thing when it comes to business. I So the only way that I was able to be in two law firms is to build out systems, right? And a system just comes down to what you want to happen 80 to 90% of the time. There's always going to be a percentage of that where the system's not going to work, right? And it, then it just comes down to... Uh, enabling your staff to make some decisions, right? And so that's one huge thing that we hit here over and over again is here's a decision-making tree as to how you can make the decision. And if you make the decision and it's the wrong decision, as long as you use the decision tree, we'll correct correct it and we'll move on. It's not... We we got the king of all systems here, Jay. What do you, what do you have to say? No, I, I mean I am in full agreement with Mario where it comes to when it comes to having non attorneys, uh, you know, quote the fees and collect the fees. I mean I don't talk money with my physician. Uh, I don't you know I, they have systems in place there, uh, and I talk medicine. And so when people come to our office, they talk law with their lawyers and they talk business with the business manager, the money people in the office. Um, you know that that's the way we approach it. We do have a sales well, so lawyer. Jay, in your office, somebody comes in, they're screened, they get to a lawyer, mm-hmm. and then only after they've met with the lawyer do they sit with down some, with somebody to talk money. The lawyer doesn't talk money. Lawyer doesn't talk money. Lawyer doesn't talk money. And we've we and and one of the reasons why we did that is you know we're in, we're in a I guess in a low dollar space in the criminal in the criminal practice right, and uh, oftentimes you'd get the client sitting across the table from you and you'd quote a fee. You say it's ten thousand dollars for us to represent you because we did flat fees, and they come back and they say, "Can I pay you seventy five hundred? And you know that if you take 7,500, that's covering your cost. There's really no profit there. Uh, and it made it very uncomfortable for the lawyers to be like, well, I guess maybe, but if you send in a staffer whose job it is to quote the fee, the, the, the client, the prospective client knows they don't set the fees. And so they're just coming in here and they're not going to try to negotiate the fee with the non-lawyer as if they would try in the same way they would try to negotiate the fee with the lawyer. And we found a lot more success in that respect and have been doing it that way for years. Now we do have a sales lawyer whose job it is to do all of those intakes 
But then after the lawyer says, okay, are you ready to talk to somebody about money? Yes. They'll slack or email or, or message the person who's going to talk money and get them on the phone with the money person who can talk about payment plans and all that stuff. Uh, do you have one designated money person or are there more? We do. We have one designated money person whose job it is to get the credit card, get the payment plan set up, get all those agreements. And that person does the follow-up if a credit card is declined. You're talking to one person in the office about money. That's the way we have it set up. Mara, do you find that with your non-attorney salespeople compared to when you didn't have them, I don't know if you remember that far back, but do you get less negotiation on price when it's not the practitioner? No, there's negotiation, I think, on pricing. Um, I think what we've done to kind of counteract that is that we actually have a rate sheet. And so every year, uh, and so this is something that hopefully someone can take something from this this, uh, meeting, Every year we pull our cases for the last two years. Uh, even on flat fee cases, we always track our time spent on a case. Good for you. And, you know, I could tell you more or less how many hours, you know, an adjustment of status or a particular case might take me on the average. And then that allows me to go back and then see, well, are there any inefficiencies in the system to fix? Or, you know, this is what it is. Right. And then you take a look at that and then you look at, well, how much do you want to make? Right. Or how much do you want to pay your attorneys and other costs? And then you factor that up. And so when you do that, you, you end up with a that's why when folks ask me, what do you charge for something? I'm like, well, it it depends on what your goal is. Right. It really de- like the, the solo practitioner may get away with charging a lot less. Right. Because their overhead will be less. But they're also wearing multiple hats, right? And so you're you're wearing every hat that's in the firm there. So I, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, folks come back and, and they do sometimes want to talk about pricing. Um, and then that's just a question of sitting down there and, and discussing that with your client relationship manager as far as how do you handle that objection, right? Because the... And then, yeah, and there's a there's a conversation you have of price versus value, right? And that's and that's really what you, you you know your client relations person should be having that conversation before you even get to price, uh, you know, so that they can so that the consumer understands the value that they're getting for whatever it is that they pay. And sometimes it's just compared to what, right? Compared to what? That's expensive, but compared to what? Right. I, I have that conversation all the all the time. But I, I got a question because Jim, uh, Jim and I come out of the criminal defense space. So if you take if you're in the non-contingency world, the fee for service world where both your practices are um, something that, um, you know, I have looked at, which I, I think that Jim Hacking has been talking about this a lot. We in the criminal defense space generally don't have a barrier. There's no uh, consultation fee. The idea is free consultation. That's pretty ubiquitous. Very few criminal lawyers do it. Some do, but our attitude has been, hey, if we know that there's a charge, their only choice is either a public defender or us, you know, or a private attorney. We don't want, like, if we, we sign one out of three, hopefully it's better than that. God bless. It's three 35-minute consultations and you're on your way. But Jim has been talking a lot. I've been, I've been sort of game theory a lot with our immigration practice. And I'm curious, and trust the states to a lesser extent, which is you don't really want consultations. You know, I looked at our numbers and I saw all these $200 consultations in there. And I'm like, it's not profitable. What you really want are signed cases. And the question is, do you feel that by using the non-attorney sales technique, 
that you are actually, without leveraging lawyer time, vetting to viable clients faster than the traditional selling of a, a consultation, which all you really want is the signed case. You know, if, if, if it's four to one, those three, if you could somehow skip them, and now magic know which ones they were, but the idea is, is the mousetrap you've built getting rid of the paid consultation because everybody gets a consultation with non-lawyer time and only the right one becomes the client. Is that is that part of the method to the madness? Yeah, I mean, those are, you know, great questions as far as laying that out. I think it comes down to, I, I've done both. I, you know, I've, I've flip-flopped in between. I've done where we charge. And right now we're on a, on a space where we're not charging. Um, and we'll just switch it up. So I, I think the theory behind that isn't necessarily that you're trying to make money off the consultation. Agreed. Agreed. No, right. agreed. Agreed. Yeah. We're trying to make sure that the person who's there is serious about their case, right? And so that's kind of what I've done with this mousetrap, right, or the system that we've kind of created is that if the person's sitting in front of one of our attorneys, there's money sitting in the IOLTA, right, uh, for their case, and they've signed an engagement agreement. Whole and different ballgame. Can't be more like serious about moving forward than they that. are moving forward unless there's a not a meeting of the minds. And sometimes, you know what? Sometimes there are instances where we've initiated the refund, and there are times when they've initiated the refund, right? But it happens on such a little basis that you actually end up winning more and getting more clients through the door by doing it that way. I, I, will tell you, I, I use the dating analogy a lot in, in business, the recruiting side, the client side, there, there are a lot of that. I almost, I'm trying to like put, put this in the dating thing. It's almost like you're going on a first date. Instead of going for drinks before determining if you want to go for dinner, each you and the other person are each paying half the meal. And mm -hmm. while you decide at any point, you know, it's over, uh, I just had my drink, I want to get out of here, give me my money back, I'm leaving. But you're essentially saying, we presume we're moving forward. And that presumption means a lot because you're moving in that direction. What are some of the obstacles you've found for people that might be interested in putting this into place? Because it's not easy. It's a mindset shift. There's a getting your staff involved. What did you have to do to get from A to Z to make that, that complete shift? Yeah, you've got a you've got to micromanage the experience, right? And I think that there's, you can't abdicate this role, right? You got to check in, uh, you've got to ideally ha sit in on some of these sales calls, um, ask them if they got permission to record the call so that you could listen in on it later. Uh, and so you've got to you got to do your homework on it if you're gonna run with it, right? Because you, you want to make sure that the non-attorneys are not giving legal advice and then you want to make sure that they're hitting every part of the sales process uh, as you're going through. And so ideally, when you get done with that, you'll have a system that can kind of churn out. If you have five people coming in, you know you're going to close one or two of them on a very consistent basis um, running, the, running the system. Right. And so I think the someone who's contemplating this, one you got to learn how to sell right on your own you can't just i think you can't just hire someone to to do it and so you should study how to sell uh legal services ideally um and learn that on your own and set up 
like a system that you're going to follow every time. You know, for us, we, we talk about setting an agenda, talking about, you know, confidentiality, and then kind of diving into the reasons for coming and then hitting it up with, you know, how is that going to help you, followed by an analysis at the end as what, what do you want to do next, right? And then ideally, they'll move forward with us from that. And so that's for us. Other, you know, other types of law firms may set up a different system. But Mario... Uh, but you got to... Mario, I really like the fact that you're able to sort of jump in there and walk me through your process. And I know that, in, you know, during COVID, when we had some people sick and that type of thing, I had to jump on the phones and do some phone sales, at least the, the, the beginning part of the phone sales process. And it, it's it's like riding a bike, right? You know, you, you've got sort of that, that th- those mental waypoints in your head and, and you hit those and then you you know, you put the person on hold and I pick up, and I say, okay, they're ready to, they're ready to pay. And people are like, wait, you just picked up that phone seven minutes ago. And I'm like, yeah, but I got the skills, you know, I've been doing this for 20 plus yeah, years. Weird. You know, I, I can close like the best of them, you know, um, just give me, give me, you know, give me a lead and give me a phone and I'll, and I'll do it just because I don't do it every day. Doesn't mean I still don't have that skill set, you know, but that's, uh, you know, and Jay, it's funny because you used to do this more. And I feel like a lot of old school guys do this now, which is there are people, that's their whole business. They, sit and answer the phone and close and then everybody else can do whatever they want but they know that they have that that j twinkle where they know how to get people comfortable and bring them in yeah i mean that's and that's really something that you have to have to sort of have to figure out i liked the 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 daily grind of closing new business um I, it was always something that i found enjoyable I hate to admit it, but there was a little bit of, you know, dirty, dastardly sort of every client I closed meant that another lawyer wasn't getting the case. And I, you know, you know, and I I can remember coming out of law school and, uh, you know, and 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 being hungry. And I put up a billboard, you know, about two years into my practice. And I was getting such snide comments from judges and prosecutors and other lawyers. How could you do that? It's it brings us down, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but none of you are paying my student loans and i got i got bills to pay you know so i i sort of took this mental attitude of if you're going to talk down to me because i'm trying to hustle and make a living well i'm going to show you i'm going to steal all your clients i'm going to eat your lunch you know and and there were opportunities that came my way to sort of grab market share and i took every single one of them because you know at the end of the day i'm i'm taking care of my family you know as as people who are on here know my my part my partner's my father and you know my my other partner's my sister's best friend and we're a family firm in that respect so um you know it, it, it i gotta take care of those people and that's a great point i think that you raise as far as what the mindset is right i can still remember when i started my firm it you know i didn't have any contacts right i'm i'm a first generation immigrant here and that was part of like the probate scenario and the estate planning that you know, not everyone in the first generation really takes advantage of those laws that are here. And so that was kind of my mission in starting that other firm as well. Uh, but yeah, it, just that mindset of I picked up the phone, I looked at the phone book and I started dialing, dialing for dollars. Dialing much. for dollars. And I love it. Dialing for dollars, calling folks and getting all kinds of advice from different attorneys and every once in a while you'd hit someone that that would be willing to share and, and that's why like i'll always do shows like this and wherever i can pay it forward because it was paid forward to me uh as well but that mindset that mindset is key and that's why i don't have the attorneys always 
jump in on the appointments because I think there's a lot going on in that sales call. Well, look, one thing I'll throw this to both you guys, because I'm in awe of the systems and the discipline that you guys have. As Jay knows, I'm more loosey-goosey, and I've pushed very hard for our intake to be able to have some flexibility in where they go. And with the non-attorney salesperson, we just did an internal call. During COVID, it's great, because we're getting these amazing Zoom calls. We had, like, you know, of our 40 lawyers, two-thirds on a call discussing best practices of intake. And because a lot of the attorneys are touching clients at that point, and I was amazed at how interpersonal they got. And how do you scale that? How do you or how do you systematize that when you have, you know, this? That's what I'm throwing back to you. You have the system. Is there a place in your system where you're like, you know, talk about confidentiality, find something in common to talk about? How granular do you get or do you give more leeway to your people to form those bonds naturally? Well, that's the whole sales process, right? That's how it works because, you know, certainly the the non-attorney salesperson's not there to give advice, right? And I bet the attorneys that were forming those bonds, if you go back and take a look at your role of attorneys, they barely gave advice and really helped the person just make a decision, and and they probably closed at a higher rate than than anyone else. Like I, we always talk about. You know, everyone wants to eat the hot dog, but no one wants to walk the sausage factory, right? And that's what we do often as attorneys is like we try to hide behind what we know sometimes or that we could resolve that problem. And it really comes to making, you make the person who's sitting across from you the star, right? They're the star of their own life. They get to decide what they want to do. And you're just there to kind of help them make that decision. And so that's that's the main thing. That's how we scale it. That's how I've been able to do it, is that these conversations are more of what brought you in, how's that affecting you, right? What would life be like if that wasn't in your way anymore? You're, you're, you're doing you're the, the, the emotive, like, imagine. Jay, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, one of the things that, you know, jumps out at me is that, there is a level of honesty that a non-attorney uh, salesperson or just non-attorney staff that's talking to the lead will get out of potential clients that the lawyer won't get. Talking to a lawyer, we've all said it, is intimidating. And people want to put their best foot forward. I mean, you know, Seth, I know you haven't done it in a long time, but you handled some criminal cases back in the day. How many times did you have a police report and you say, this isn't what you told me you did? And because people want to shade everything to their benefit and you know that's just the human nature you know you're gonna you're gonna give the best perspective so you may have that conversation with a with an attorney and i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do this and then they get on the phone with the with the non-attorney salesperson and they say i'm not doing any of that stuff so so the non-attorney salesman allows them to let down their guard a little bit uh and i think that helps people convert and it also allows the non-attorney salesperson to understand why they're not converting so you can change the messaging uh, that you're sending to them perhaps in your follow-ups uh, because you've gotten more information and I think that's that's certainly something uh, that that's the way we would we have been approaching it and it has been successful for us uh, by not having yeah, the yeah, attorney I mean, making I, the I sale with it. I, 
I know that my model is not as efficient as the ones you describe. You know, I want my cake and eat it too. I want the attorney to bond, but I also know that if I'm going head to head on a more expensive case, that we're putting our best foot forward and that this is the guy who's going to solve your problem and he's going to be able to tell you firsthand what he would do. Again, it is it, it, Apple. That's why when I looked at it, I don't love the non-attorney salesperson. And Jay, you're talking. You have an attorney meet with them. It may be different in how they price it. That's why I'm looking at some of these other areas. Can we put people on a pedestal? Um, I have I have never been able to make that leap. I like the idea, and I feel like we've scaled to a, a pretty decent degree. That there's a risk at every point. Now you're, you know, when you do have somebody else promising, now again, your model is just the order in which they're getting there, right? You're basically saying, hey, we're going to dinner and you're going to be here for the next number of hours. If you want to leave, it's up to you, but assume you're here for dinner. I mean, it's my own. And, and so here's the... Well, if I could jump on, before you do that, no one goes to a restaurant to then decide if they're hungry. You're at a restaurant to eat. People call a lawyer because they need a lawyer. So, Mario, take over. I just I had to jump in there on that analogy. No, no, but I'll follow the analogy. You're hungry. You have to eat. But is this the person you want to be dining with? I mean, again, it's an analogy. It's faulty by definition. But, Mario, go ahead. We, we Jay and I can just ignore us. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm at the restaurant. <laughs> I get done with the host <laughs> and they take me to the back to meet the waiter, right? Um, there, here's the one honest part that I, I actually like about this model better because we actually used Jay's model for a number of years. That was my model. I'd go in for 15 minutes, glad hand, answer a couple of softball questions, and then let the non-attorney salesperson finish up the science the process. dental the dentist hygienist model right the dentist hygienist model yeah that's what we used to do um and that's great but you know then you kind of almost have to have an attorney on call just for sales all the time right and one of the things that as i've been going through that i've been kind of taught is to make every system very simple and get them to the next step it's you know your marketing the only step there is you want to get the phone ring right or you know, even as far as like maybe your Facebook, right? Your Facebook posts, the only thing you want there is for them to click through. And so you just, this design is to get them to click through. And once they've clicked through, you want them to pick, you know, pick up the phone and call you. Once they call, the receptionist is only supposed to get them to the next step. And then the client relationship manager gets them in front of the attorney, right? Every step is just a very simple scenario. And, and what I found incredibly honest about this is that I was there, you know, I, I started my practice from the ground up and, you know, speaking to those folks that are out there watching this, I get it. I get the idea of like needing that next client, you know, on your roster so that you can continue to have a thriving practice. But, you know, what can you really learn from someone in a 15 to 30 minute, like initial meeting? right to be able to say i really gave them a good consultation the system that i've created allows my attorneys to spend about an hour to like two hours with that person at that attorney strategy session and really hammer out a plan of action it's a first meeting it's not a consultation they're a client they may back you have a client but but the grace of god and so then we've got We've got a plan at the beginning of the case as to who's going to do what and by when. 
and we can really get a good like first step. But like I said before, and I think this kind of talks about, you know, Seth, you said like, you know, I really want to compete and get these higher level cases. It just comes from having to, I, I think like I had to mature in a sense and say, not every person's going to be right for me. And you know what, some of my referral sources are going to get turned off by this process. But that's a good follow up. Are you using this for a referral situation? If it's a referral, are, do any cases go straight to you or other attorneys or does everything go through this model? We try to make everything go through the model, but that's what I, you know, that's what I kind of said at the beginning of the call is that there's in nature, there's no one rule like for everything every time. Right. And so I, I think it's the same thing. Like you, you will use this for 80, 90% of the time. It's a complete Pareto principle scenario. There's going to be a small percentage where you're going to have to stray a little bit out of the system. And, and that's okay if you want to empower your people to do it. But if you, it really comes down to, do you want to work in the business or do you want to be the person working on the business? Right. And at this point, you know, it's not, folks always think that the answer is marketing or more sales. Sometimes it's just like cleaning up the holes in your bucket. Absolutely. And, And you also need to like, Hey, listen, one of the nice things about planning out how many hours a case is going to take, you could look at all the cases you signed up and look at how many hours, because I, I look at it as, um, here's a good question for you guys. When does the sale end? This is something that took me a while to figure out. When does the sale end? Jay, I'll let you go. I don't think the sale ever really ends because you want to get those referrals coming in off of that well-served client. You know, I mean, they're they're always, you know, by definition, I'll, I'll play the stooge, you know, there, if you have a sales team, it, it, for at least from my world, the sale ends by definition. It, look, you're right. The, the attorney needs to carry it, but happens essentially once there's a signed retainer, it moves into the dating world now. We're now going for like a you know a walk in the pumpkin patch, and we're going for a hayride. Like there's more stuff. So you may still like if you if like any relationship, if you stop caring and giving effort, the relationship will fall apart. But that you now are no longer hoping to get dinner with somebody. There is some sort of a back and forth. And so the relationship has changed. But, you know, your point is well taken. The sale may continue. But I think it's like anything else. You're at a different uh, you know, you're at a different point on that continuum. So, so, yeah, Mar- so answer that question. Then I, then I got a, a question towards the end for you. Okay. I, and some folks, like, so in uh, – what was the name of this book? Mike Michalowicz just wrote a book. Um, and, and really, in essence, he kind of talked about it as the sale ends when you're done delivering the legal service, right? Or you're done delivering the service, right? And the contract, I'll add the postscript, which is the liability is still there for the firm to execute on that promise. And right? I was going to say it's after the review, not, not when the service ends. Yeah. And so, yeah, it could go both ways. Like you could either look at the sale ending after the review, right? And, and attorneys, like, if, if you guys aren't doing this, at the end of your case, even if it's a win, invite the client back a couple of weeks later and just do a final a final case review. And, and you may find that you'll f- get extra work out of that or that's how you get positive reviews or get people to agree to do videos for you. Um, but 
the whole idea is that if if you're stuck always doing the sale, you can't be doing these other parts that you need to run a successful firm, right? You need to be auditing the the legal files as they're going through, or you know, working on the case. You might be finding yourself going to court. Uh, someone's got to be running the marketing. Someone's got to be converting people into clients. Someone's got to be looking at the books. Uh, you got to do future planning. Uh, Jay or Seth, you talked about recruitment. You got to do recruitment, and so this is why I think people need to look at at least an adaption of this system. You, maybe you don't have to adopt the full thing, but you can you can take parts of it and see if you can kind of systemize a little bit. Jay, you got a final question? So I got a final question, and it may open up the need to have you back on the show um, and tell me if it does, because if it is, we'll, we'll, we'll end it, and we won't even get into it. But the question really comes down to, so you've got your firm, you've got the Godoy firm, it's firing. You say to yourself, I want to open an- another firm. Do you fund it fully with your revenue that you've taken out of your existing firm? Do you open up a bank account and dump in 100000 or $250,000 and say, I'm renting space, I'm going to put in the systems? Are you bootstrapping it like you build your original firm? What's the way to approach having a, having the genesis and bringing up a brand new firm? I mean, you could do it a million different ways, but what do you feel is the right way to do it? And if it's too much to answer, please say stop and we'll get you back on on a show and we can answer this will be a tease for uh, Mario point two because I, I think it's something that a lot of people uh, need to understand that there's different ways to approach this thing absolutely I think you hit it right on the head there's so many different ways to approach it always love to come back um, to give you a quick tidbit you know we decided to bootstrap it I, I took on an awesome partner his name's Steven Novak loves lives and breathes probate and estate planning and I'm learning through osmosis rather quickly. Um, but, you know, we we kind of grew it from, from a, you know, this is almost like we added a little bit. Uh, we were able to, to use some of the Godoy like, resources to kind of get started. We added in some of our own resources. And then that's really kind of been building uh, as we've been going through. Uh, I think this should ideally be a growth year for us as well in the midst of COVID for both firms. Um, and so we're, we're pushing through, we're pushing through, but we decided to bootstrap it, right. But someone could decide to go a different route. Someone could decide to fund it completely. And then, you know, you could just add that entire departments, you know, you could add in those people right away and, and run it. Right. So there's really, it just depends on what your business plan is. And 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 I guess the advantage of some resources that could bleed over until you, until they weren't needed, until you could afford your own. Right. So we had a little bit of an advantage there. Uh, but, you know, having bootstrapped my own firm at the beginning, like I, I started off with beating people in the library. Like, you know, in a services business, outside of our license, the barrier to entry is rather low. <laughs> and so... In some states, so, it may not be that anymore. Right. It right. may not even be that anymore in some, in some states. Um, which I see as an opportunity. But, it, you know, I think that's going to really depend on, on the eye of the beholder there. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'd love to, to sit down and, and chat about how we went about doing that at, at some point. Yeah, I, I have 
questions for part two are going to be what do you how do you train the non-attorney salesperson what do you do when they quit uh we haven't even gotten into the genius behind your monthly lunches so we, we got a lot for uh, for 2.0 awesome okay, sounds good let's get that on the calendar then very good thanks so much for your time we really loved having you all right thanks guys thanks so much Mario. great talking to you The lawyers who will succeed in the next decade are the ones who are focusing on building their brands where people meet, and there is no place better to build your brand than on social media. With the FirmFlex DIY social media plan, hundreds of lawyers like you are using social media to build their brand and become the one lawyer in their community that people know, like, and trust. By spending even just five minutes a day on social media marketing, you can engage with hundreds or thousands of people in your local community who will need your services. By cultivating a network of followers, you build a book of business that you can market to the next decade and beyond. If you are looking for a solution to help you jumpstart your social media marketing, look no further than the DIY plan at GetFirmFlex.com. The DIY was created by a small firm lawyer for people just like you helping you connect with local people online and build your brand and engage people in the topics they want to talk about, all for under $100 a month. To find out more, visit GetFirmFlex.com. In this world today, if you want to grow your business, you want to grow your firm, you want to take on more cases and make a bigger impact, you have to have a digital blueprint. Statistically, throughout the time that we've been working with Blue Shark Digital, our law firm, the Atlanta Divorce Law Group, grew over 1,400%. Seth and his team have years of experience in this area. Blue Shark is truly a part of the firm, so I don't consider Blue Shark any different than the employees in my office. Wow, Seth, I got to tell you, you know, spending some time with Mario, I realized I I got a lot out of it, but I didn't get enough. I definitely think that there's room for a whole nother segment. It actually would be interesting to have a panel sort of discussion, including Mario, Sarah, about is it bootstrapping? Is it is it VC funding yourself? Uh, you said you know, there's so many questions running around in my mind right now that uh, that we can answer, and our and our, I think our audience would love to get the answers to these things. What do you say? Right. No, absolutely. And I'll give you one other, you know, sort of tangent or panel is what Mario has done as far as his monthly meetings. And now he's done them to Zooms, the way that he's connected locally in the B2C space so hard to make meaningful contacts. And he has created a tribe, not unlike what John Fisher's done nationally, what, you know, dig deeper on how people can do that in their own regions, I think is definitely worth some time. Yeah, that could be a whole subject for a whole week of shows, both on Tuesday and Thursday, you know, how to build your tribe. I mean, that's something that I think a lot of people, you know, are struggling trying to get the answers for. I mean, we've had a phenomenal week. We had, you know, is SEO dead on Tuesday? We had that great review by Chris and David, uh, who we want to get on the show. And then today with Mario, I got to tell you, a lot of great content. And if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, if you haven't followed the show, please make sure you follow the show, get involved, drop us some notes in the comments if there's something you want to ask somebody if there's people that you want to see if if there's somebody that you know that you think would be a great guest please let us know about it because we're here to give to you guys we want to make Max Growth Live your resource for growing your law firm but with that Seth I think we got to I think we got to end it now look I'm pointing the wrong way I did it again I'm trying but there's Seth over there Seth of Blue Shark and of Price Benowitz me of Firm Flex and Ruane Attorneys thank you also being with us Seth you got anything in store for the weekend? 
Uh, no, just, uh, you know, basically the homeschooling is kicking our butt and we just need to take a break from it over the weekend. Yeah, I'm taking tomorrow off from work to pack up my kitchen because for some reason, including homeschooling, my wife decided that now's the right time to do a kitchen renovation. So we're about to go kitchenless for the next two months. So, uh, but now I'm gonna I'm gonna work out some stress right now for that. I'm gonna go jump on my Peloton. Uh, if anybody wants to follow me, I'm Get Firm Flex on Peloton. And if you get rid of the kitchen, maybe that's the greatest diet plan ever. <laughs> yeah, all takeout food. Great diet plan. Great diet plan. All right, folks. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you next week on Tuesday for the Tuesday edition of Maximum Growth Live. Bye for now, folks. Thank you for listening to Maximum Growth Live. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast for the latest episodes and tune in live on Facebook every Thursday for our live show. For more information, visit Maximum Growth Live on Facebook or MaximumLawyer.com and be sure to share us with your friends.